Lord. That's a little loud. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Hello, Ernest. Come on in here. Make your way in here from the coffee bar, uh, coffee bar and coffee bar, not the coffee park, the coffee bar. Amen. Well, welcome. Pastor Dave and Katie are continuing their vacation. They went to the beach, so they'll be back tomorrow. Amen. All right. Well, let's stand up and we'll say our confession over the United States. Release some faith here. Good stuff. Amen. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, you may be seated. Go over some announcements with you. The August devotional hard copy is in. It's on the info booth. So if you like the hard copy, it's back there on the info booth. And if you don't, if you like the Internet copy, then that is posted as well. Okay, my goodness. The High Desert Word Center pool party is this Friday night. Wow. From 6 to 9 p.m. And as Pastor Katie says, teens and children, you must have your adult with you. You cannot be there by yourself. All right. No men's meeting for August. And praise the Lord. We had 20 people water baptized this morning, which is awesome. Really, really excited about that. Good stuff. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Well, it's happy time. So if you need an envelope for your giving, raise your hand. And the ushers will be more than happy to to uh, give you one. I'm in Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25. I'm in the New King James There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. That's exactly what the world says. God's way is exactly opposite of what the world says. God says, give and it shall be given unto you. The world says, hoard, hoard, hoard. Hoard, hoard, hoard. But the Lord says there's one who scatters. In other words, he gives, but he increases more. There's one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. It says the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will be also watered himself. So there's an old saying, you cannot outgive God. Amen. All right. So let's say our financial faith confession, and then we'll turn this over to... Pastor Josh and Reliana. Yay. All right. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, Debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. 
Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously into the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Feel free to join us at the altar for worship. Wasting away My soul was cold and hopeless Dead in the grave And like a river of life In a dry land Like a flicker of sight To a blind man I saw the glorious light As it broke in God of mercy and might You're the Lord of life, shining in the dark. You're the source of life, beating in my heart. You're the living hope, you're the risen Christ. You restored my soul, oh, you brought me back to life. The brilliance of your glory. Awakens my soul You give me grace and mercy I give you control And like a river of life In a dry land Like a flicker of sight To a blind man I saw the glorious light As it broke in God of mercy and mine You're the Lord of life, shining in the dark. You're the source of life, beating in my heart. You're the living hope, you're the risen Christ. You restored my soul, oh, you brought me back to life. The brilliance of your glory. Awakens my soul You give me grace and mercy I give you control And like a river of life In a dry land Like a flicker of sight To a blind man I saw the glorious light As it broke in God of mercy and might You're the Lord of light, shining in the dark. You're the source of light, beating in my heart. You're the living hope, you're the risen Christ. You restored my soul, oh, you brought me back to life. You are the resurrector. You conquered the grave You pulled me from the water Free from my chains And reason to live Like a river of life In a dry land Like a flicker of sight To a blind man 
I saw the glorious light as it broke in. God of mercy and might, oh, you brought me back to life. You're the Lord of light, shining in the dark. You're the source of life, beating in my heart. You're the living hope, you're the risen Christ. You restored my soul, oh, you brought me back to life. You conquered the grave You pulled me from the water Free from my chains And reason to live Like a river of life From a dry land Like a flicker of sight To a blind man I saw the glorious light As it broke in God of mercy and might, oh, you brought me back to life. You're the Lord of light, shining in the dark. You're the source of life, beating in my heart. You're the living hope, you're the risen Christ. You restored my soul, oh, you brought me back to life. Yeah. 
submitted to you we know how real you are how real heaven is how real spiritual things are and how temporary our life on earth is Lord we want to be the best Christians we can be 
We want to always be a godly example and represent you well to the people all around us. Thank you for your presence tonight in the service. Thank you for the presence of the homes of all the people that are watching us tonight out there on social media. And Lord, we just believe you're going to speak to each and every one of our hearts tonight through your word and show us how to come up a level higher. Show us how to do better. To answer questions we've had about are we doing right in the way we're representing you. We thank you, Jesus, for our eyes open tonight to see more. And Lord, that we won't just be hearers, but we'll be doers. Because you said the hearers only are in self-deception, but the doers are the ones that's blessed. So Lord, we believe in Jesus' name we'll be doers of what we hear. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. Give somebody a high five or a handshake or a hug or something. And tell them you're glad they're here. Because this message is for you. It is for me. Tonight we're going to be talking about how to pray for fellow believers to grow up. How many know we've all got growing up to do? And uh, some of us are a little farther along the way than others are. But the main thing is... We want people to grow up and be better Christians. We want to be able to represent this Jesus well to the world. I'm just thinking about the times we live in and just all the different things are out there. Of course, every generation has different things to deal with, but we are at the end of the age. We're at the end of the age. And if you don't know what that means, the Bible has a lot of different phases of human history it talks about. And over and over and over again, Jesus, Paul, the epistles, they talk about the last days, the end times, when things are over with. And I, I'm thinking about something that, uh, this, this is not my message, I'm just thinking about it, because I've really thought about it a lot the last few days. Back in 1997, I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was at a minister's convention, and it was, we were in a church that had a, had a, had a had really world-renowned lady that spent a lot of time in Israel. She is a strong Christian, taught on end times, Christianity and things like that. And I never have considered myself to be an end times preacher, to preach on the book of Revelation much. I've hit it a few times, but not much like a lot of people get into the deep, deep, deep stuff. Well, it was always too deep for me. and I didn't want to drown, so I, I taught what I could. But anyway, this lady really knew the Bible, and we were, Mrs. Pastor, I were kind of sitting up towards the front. And as she was teaching, she came to a place where she stopped, and there's a room full of preachers. I mean, you know, a pretty big place. And she said, how many of you here are end times preachers? Well, I didn't raise my hand because I thought, man, I don't teach on that. I, you know, I don't know much about it. I, these other guys that teach it, they have to really explain it to me before I even get a little bit of what they're saying. So she said, how many of you are end time preachers? And I was in the front row, so I don't know if anybody raised their hands or not, but I didn't. Then she said, how many of you are preachers? I went like that. She said, leave your hand up. This is the end times and you're preaching, so you're an end times preacher. <clears throat> I thought, wow. Boy, that was a trick. She sure got me. She's right. So anyway, she made this statement. And I didn't connect some things till the other day in my prayer closet. I wasn't planning on saying any of this. It's just coming out now. But anyway, she said, well, since this is the end times, said, if you want to be able to understand things, come up here. I'm going to lay hands on you and God's going to open your eyes. And so I was up the front. I was the first one up there. So I went up there, and when she laid her hand on me, uh, I don't know how much you're familiar with the realm of the Spirit, 
But sometimes when a preacher prays for you, the anointing might come on you a little bit and you feel like you might fall, but you just, you know, you just kind of just, you resist it. Well, I learned off Brother Hagin a long time ago that if the spirit moves, don't be a resistor, be a submitter. And so when she laid her hands on me, I felt the power of God a little bit. And I sit there in my mind, I thought, well, I got a choice. I could either just stand here, just wobble a little bit, then go back to my seat, or I'll just yield to it and go down. And so I chose to go down. I yielded to it. I went down. What I did, I got glued to the floor. I don't know if that's ever happened to me several times. I've got glued to the floor by the anointing of God. And so as I was down there, all of a sudden, I was laying there, and my eyes were closed, and I saw this thing like a heart. It came right up towards my face, and it kind of flowed around. It was a real heart. You ever see that Catholic heart thing like that? Well, it kind of looked like that, and it kind of floated around above my eyes like my eyes were closed. And on the inside, I said this, that really was a heart. And it went away. And then all of a sudden, an eyeball came up. It was right in front of me like that. And just kind of just went around like that. And I said, wow, that really was an eyeball. As soon as I said that, it went away. And then after that, an ear came. And there was an ear right in front of my face there. And I kept looking. I said, that really is an ear. And it went away. And so then after that, a mouth came. A, ma a mouth, lips, a mouth. And it just kind of did that. And I, same thing. I said, wow, that really was a mouth. And then the Spirit of God said, go back to your seat, and I'll tell you what that means later. And so then the anointing lifted so I could walk. So I got up, went to my seat, and I thought, well, because I know how the Lord talks to me a lot of times later, it might mean a month from now. But I went back to my seat, and they were still preaching things about 9 o'clock. About 9 o'clock, because I keep a journal with me when I go to church, so I keep a journal plus my notebook. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God started talking to me in my seat. I looked at my watch, it was 9 o'clock. He said this. Now listen to this for those things that I told you I saw. He said, when you begin to cultivate your heart, first thing I saw was a heart, cultivate your heart to seek me, then you begin to see. Remember the eyeball? You'll begin to see what I want you to see. And then he said, when you begin to see what I want you to see, you begin to hear what I want you to hear. And then he said, when you see it here, I want you to hear. He said, then you begin to speak what I want you to say. See those symbols he gave me? He said, heart, then eyes, then ears, then mouth. How many know that a lot of Christians do a lot of blabbing, but it's not at all what God wants them to say? Amen. I never connected from 1997 to July and August of 2000. That was in my prayer closet about three or four days ago. Anybody ever read that book that Mrs. Pastor published out of my journal? What always precedes the major move of God? Well, anyway, when I was in my prayer closet the other day, all of a sudden I realized that for those really three strong months in my prayer closet, in the fall of 2000, the Lord began to show me end times things. That I put them on the shelf for years, that she got it out a few years ago, she began to write them out. Well, when I was in my prayer closet the other day, I thought, wow. That's why he gave me those things in 2000. It was from 1997 when he told me when I cultivate my heart, 
I'll start to see and hear and say what he wants me to do. And so I just said that to say this. There's a realm of the spirit that Christians need to learn about. There's things we need to know, but it all comes with your heart first. Back, to, back in the year 2000, my wife and kids basically lived in the same house. They didn't see me for three months. I lost 50 pounds. I just was so caught up and been with Jesus that I just didn't think about eating. I just, we had, we had a little orchard. I'd go out the morning time and go out there. I'd pick two or three apples off the tree. I'd eat apples and sit around with him and things began to happen. But the whole thing was what I'm saying. I was so serious in that season, knowing that God was calling me to separate unto him for a while, that my heart really yearned for nothing but him. And so during that time, a lot of great revelation came, which I'm not going to be a spooky preacher and put out all kinds of goofy stuff. But the main thing was he talked about the end times move of God. I've got a really good lesson here until I know I'm done here before I get to it. I won't. But anyway, the whole thing was he told me, he asked me this question, what always precedes the major move of God? And at that time, I'd known him well enough, I'd known him well enough now, that I know that a lot of, a lot of dumb people, when God asked them a question, they just spout off an answer and totally wrong. But I knew that if God asked me a question, I knew I could give the answers that I always heard all religious people, preachers say. How many know there's a difference between you saying stuff other people say and then saying stuff that you know? And so I learned a long time ago a lot of things that people have been taught are religious ideas people have, but not necessarily the Bible. And so when he said that to me, it was so strong, I said this. I said, sir, uh, what do you consider a major move of God? I could have said a lot of things that people say. I just kept my mouth shut. And so exactly one, one week to the day, almost the same time when I was with him, he said this. Go to the book of Exodus. As so I went to the book of Exodus, and he said, look up the name. I looked up the Exodus, and basically what it come down to was big move. They moved all the people of Israel from, from Egypt to the, to the Canaan land, to the promised land. He said, a big move is when I deliver a nation. He said, what well, always precedes the major move of God. And so right now, I just, man, none of this is planned out. This is sure tricking me. And so anyway... He said, well, I'd deliver a nation. And this was back in 2000. That America was in bad, bad shape then. I think it's went from bad to worse now. And so spiritual, spiritual principles always apply no matter what day it is. And so anyway, this one week later, he said, I'd deliver a nation. And then he said, prayer. Prayer always precedes the major move of God. And so I just started looking at the book of Exodus and they, they had been slaves in Egypt for almost 400 years. And then it says the people had enough. They cried out to God. It says they cried out to God because the Egyptians, the way they were treating them, they're hard taskmasters. And they began to pray. And then he said to me, just, just as plain and as strong as anything I've ever heard, he said, prayer. It's always prayer first. Prayer always precedes the major move of God. And then one week later to the day, almost the same time, he said, 
Next thing is leadership. I always raise up leadership. Well, guess what? When they prayed, God found Moses. Okay, Moses, go back. You're going to lead. And then he took me through the whole word of God, through all the different moves of God that I saw in there. And every time, every time, God didn't do anything to people who were serious in prayer. And he always raised up leaders. He ended up getting down to the book of Acts. The Holy Ghost came in to start the church age. People, where were they doing? 120, upper room praying. Here comes a big move. Then what happened? He sent 12 out of that room to lead. That started the church. Always works that way. And then the third week at the same time, same day, he says, unity. My people always must come into unity. Well, you look at people of, of Israel back then. What did they do? They got behind Moses and wanted to follow Moses. You get the book of Acts. They were on one accord in one place. They were in unity for the move. And so the thing is that God wants to do things, but we as believers must do our part. There's always the God part and the man part. And so that came out, and there it is, and wasn't planning on it, but there it is. We're to a place in time where Christians have to grow up. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight, how to pray for other Christians to grow up. But that there was just out there. Glory to God. But it's cultivating your hearts, cultivating your hearts and becoming people of prayer. And I like that song that Josh had up there because that, that went right along with what I just talked about. But I want you to look at Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. And we talk about how to, how to pray for fellow believers to grow up. Have you ever thought about your kids sometimes that uh, I wish they'd grow up? Well, how many here are children of God? A lot of pastors... Think about some of the peoples that's in their congregations and pastors say, boy, I wish they'd grow up. <laughs> you know, the little fights and the little things that go on a lot of times in churches and things that happen, people get mad about seats, get upset about a little bit of nothing, think, man, that's so childish. Why would they get mad about that? They ought to be glad that somebody come in and sit in that seat so they can hear the gospel. Okay, so anyway, I want you to look at Romans chapter 10. And I want to read verse 1 through 3. And Paul said this, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record, now look at this, they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. They have a zeal of God, but not according to Bible knowledge, of knowing what the Bible has to say about how to live. For they've been ignorant. Ignorant means lack of knowledge. They've been ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves into the righteousness of God. So Paul was talking about his fellow Jews here, but today this applies to many born-again Christians. They've got a zeal for God, but they don't know what to do with it. So they run more people off than they bring in because their zeal is not according to Bible knowledge and not according to how God wants them to do things. And so too many believers are excited 
about Jesus, but they're ignorant about the things of God, even though they can quote a lot of scriptures. Think about that. How many have ever been turned off by a young Christian or even an older Christian that wants to cram Jesus down their throats, that wants to tell everybody else how to live, but they don't know how to live themselves? They do more damage than good. And so Paul said that these people said they had a real zeal for God, but not according to Bible knowledge. And, you know, I've thought about that and prayed about this today really a lot. I got to think of, man, Paul was the expert on this all right. How many here know enough about the New Testament to know that Paul wasn't always Paul? At one point in time, I looked at some of the references that actually what Paul did, he was Saul of Tarsus. And he sure had a zeal for God, didn't he? He thought, boy, I'm going to be God's hitman. He said, I'm going to do everything I can to help God. And so he helped round up Christians, broke into homes, knocked the doors down, stormtroopers, took Christians to prison. He had a zeal for God. He thought, man, he's going to do what God wants to do. These Christians are a bunch of, of deceived people. They're a cult. They're not right. And if we get Christians wiped off the face of the earth, we're doing God a big favor and let Judaism march on. Well, there come a point in time, you know, the first Christian martyr was Stephen. And it says that Saul was standing there holding his clothes while they stoned him to death. And so he did all those things there. And then one day he saw the light. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight, about the light. He saw the light and realized his eyes were open to see, man, I love God. He was very, very religiously trained. He was one of the one of the biggest religious guys in Israel. All the all the education he had in, in, in the Hebrew language and all the things he did, he knew it all. He knew all every, everything that was no pretty much. He knew it, but he didn't know the one that was behind it that had changed things now. His name was Jesus. And so he was excited. And so he read he read through Israel like a bowl in a china closet. Anybody heard that expression? A bull in a china closet? That means somebody just charges full steam ahead and they don't care who or what gets in the way, man. They're going to get their job done. Get out of my way. Here I come. That's how he was. And so he said that these people have a zeal for God, not according to knowledge. I thought, well, he's qualified to say that because he was describing how he used to be. And so we as Christians have got to transform. That's what Hebrews or Romans chapter 12 says, by the renewing of our mind. So we can prove what's the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. And so we got all the zeal, but now we got to hook it up with Bible knowledge and then live by it. And there will be Christians that when other Christians, when other people become Christians, and they will be able to help disciple, disciple Christians. See, that's what Paul's doing. He learned what not to do. And then he saw the light of the road to Damascus. And then he had had lots of time with Jesus. And then the things that he knew that Jesus showed showed him how to apply them to the times they lived in to help people. How many really want to be soul winners for Jesus? And want to be able to truly help people to disciple people? Amen. So that's what we're talking about, how we can grow up and help others grow up. And so how can we help them? And the best way is know how to pray according to the Word of God. Then the Holy Spirit can help them grow up spiritually. The number one thing is prayer. You know, you can do all you can do all the muscling and uh, 
tried to force people to go your way you want to do like Paul did, we found out that wasn't God's way. And so the best thing we can do is learn how to pray for fellow believers to grow up spiritually. And we're going to be looking at that tonight. But first of all, we've got to look at some spiritual truth to understand what goes on in the realm of the Spirit. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. I'm so grateful that my young Christian life, I sit under a lot of great Bible teachers that really knew how to teach the Bible simply so I could get it. Because when I got born again, I was totally ignorant of the Bible. I wasn't raised in a Christian family. When I was a young guy, my grandma took me to the Baptist church a lot, and I got born again there. But then I got away before I learned too much, and et cetera, et cetera. So when I, when I got born again for real, 28 and a half years old, I was totally ignorant. And I'm so grateful I didn't have religious, goofy teachers around me that taught me a lot of things that really didn't matter. I'm so grateful they taught me about faith. They taught me about love. They taught me about prayer. They taught me about the baptism of the Holy Ghost and prayed in other tongues and all the things that really helped me to be a Christian that could do something for the Lord. And uh, I think, did you talk about the devotional a while ago? I see one laying up there. Uh, it, next month we're teaching on prosperity, the devotional. And then the next month's one of my favorites. Uh, what is that? After that, August, September, is going to be on faith. And I love it. Those are the kind of things that help me to grow, and those devotionals will help you grow up spiritually too. And don't read them like a book. Take your time and read one every day and think about it during the day and look at things, and they'll help you to grow up. But anyway, uh, in looking into the realm of the Spirit, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4 says this. Verse 3 and 4. But our, if our gospel be hid is hid to them that are lost. Now look at this. This is why prayer is so critical in helping fellow Christians grow up. He says, in whom the God of this world, and I always like to, I always like to remind people of this. God didn't make a mistake. You notice that G there is a small G? The God of this world. Who's the God of this world? It's Satan. It says the God of this world. Well, how did he become the God of this world? Without going to anything too deep or getting too far out for you, when God made the earth, he gave Adam charge to rule in the earth. He told Adam, you take care of the garden, and that was the headquarters. He said, you take care of it, and you be the one to teach your wife what to do and how to do it. And so Adam had authority to be the ruler of the earth at that time. And then Satan came down, and through deception to the wife, and Adam did nothing to use his authority. He walked away from God. He did what God told him not to do. In disobedience, he turned from light to darkness. And then when God came walking through the garden, Adam hid himself because he lost the glory. He lost out on it. At that point in time, Satan became the new ruler of the world. That's why the New Testament calls him the God of this world. And so we have, we have our God and what, I've got myself trained. If I see things on the news, if I hear other people talking, there's a lot of different religions in the world. And everybody prays to a God. And so I, I recognize different religions and who their God is. And so I know when they're talking about God, I don't, I don't cause trouble. I keep my mouth shut. 
I don't know we're talking about two different gods. Because the New Testament teaches us that God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the whole family in heaven and earth. So God says he's the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when I'm talking about God, I'm talking about the Father of Jesus, my Father. When they're talking about God, they may be talking about something entirely different. Out of their hearts, they think they're right. But the Bible says that's because the God of this world has them blinded to the gospel. Can you see what I'm saying? And then at the same time, there's a lot of Christians. Now listen, this is what I'm talking about where we're headed to in the prayer part. A lot of Christians are blinded still to a lot of the truth of the Bible that applies to them for the day because they don't study their Bibles. They don't sit under Bible teachers that are God-called teachers that teach them simple truths of the Bible, how to live by faith, how to walk in love, about tithing, and there's a lot of different things that teach it because they, they are blinded also. And that's why I, I quote this minute. I'm going to say it again. You can write it down. Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by renewing of your mind. The only way the blinders are going to come off is for you to be a serious student of the word. That's what a disciple is. Those disciples that followed Jesus were his students. Did you Do you remember they called him teacher? Because they were students. Well, today, we should all be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He's our Savior. He sent the Holy Spirit to teach us. And he sent men and women of God with a gift to teach to teach us. And so that's the way the blinders come off our eyes in the area of life. Have you ever noticed how some Christians, that you know they're good Christians. You know they're saved as you're saved because you don't go to church to get saved. You go to church to learn. Amen. And you don't tithe to try to try to get points with God. You tithe because God said to. That's part of our covenant. It's your obedience. You tithe and more blessings come your way. But there's some Christians who resist church tooth and nail, and they'll say things like, well, I'm just as saved as you are, and I never have to go to church. Well, they're right. They can go to heaven, but they're not going to enjoy much blessing on earth, and they're not going to be a blessing very much. And the tithing is the same thing, and the love walk, everything else. And so it takes the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, to get the blinders off your eyes to see different facets of the Christian life. And so it says, Satan, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light. We're talking about the light. We're children of light. Lest the light of what? The glorious gospel. The light of the glorious gospel, whose image of God should shine unto them. And so when you're sitting under the word of God like you are tonight, if you're, if you're alive in Christ... I guess the best way to describe it, you think, boy, that feels good. That feels good. You know why? There's light from heaven by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God coming into your heart. And then from your heart, it goes to your head. See, a lot of people think, they just think head. Well, that's because they haven't grown up yet. When you die, your head's going to be buried. You're going to come out, and your head's part of your body, and it's going to be laying down here on the earth somewhere. But your spirit's going to go on. And so while you're here on the earth, this light comes into your heart. And then it comes up to here where you understand some things. But he's not talking to your head. He's talking to your heart. And so a lot of times when we say, well, that just felt good what he was saying. Well, you're right. But it's your spirit that sensed 
the presence of God. And when the presence of God begins to speak to your heart, all of a sudden, you're talking to somebody and say, wow, did you see that? And they say, see what? Well, they're not talking so much about seeing as knowing. In their heart, all of a sudden, they knew it. Did you see that? I didn't know that. Wow. God really does want us to give him 10%. Wow. I've always heard that, but now I see it. Well, the light of the glorious gospel came in in that area of life. And it could be on love and forgiveness. All of a sudden, you come to find out about husbands and wives, for example. You, the husband comes, comes to find out, wow. He said, I'm the head of the wife, not the dictator. I never saw that before. God gave me this calling, and it's awesome. I'm the head. That means I'm the protector. I'm the divider. I, 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 I'm the provider. I'm the one that's called to protect my family. That's what I'm called to do. I'm not called to make life H-E-L-L on earth for them. I'm called to make life heaven on earth for them. And then all of a sudden, the wife gets a revelation. Wow, I have to submit to my husband as unto the Lord. And so when I submit to my husband, I'm helping bring heaven into my home. But because of wrong teaching and wrong examples growing up, a lot of people don't know that it takes the light of the glorious gospel of Christ shine into your heart and give you understanding why there's things in the Bible. Amen. And see, that we're talking about growing up. And we're going to be heading down to the best way to pray for Christians. But anyway, all of us were once spiritually blind to the fact we were lost. Amen. We were all spiritually blind. We heard the gospel and then our spiritual eyes were opened to see we were lost and Jesus was the only way to be saved. Did anybody ever come to that place besides me? You realized, you realized, I really need Jesus. Not just church, I need Jesus. Well, I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Now we're talking about how to pray for fellow believers to grow up. And so Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. I love the book of Ephesians. That's where I've been camped out at for the last couple of weeks. Again, one of my favorite books. Ephesians 2, verse 12. And this describes how we were before we received Jesus. And this is how all unsaved people are today. It says that at that time, you were without Christ. This is talking about before you were born again. Being aliens, he's talking to Jewish people here, from the commonwealth of Israel. Now look at this. Strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Having no hope and without God in the world. We were strangers from the covenant at that time. The covenant is spelled out in the New Testament. And too many Christians today are in the family, but they're strangers to the covenant. Do you know that many, many, many Churches, denominations do not know from the Bible it's the will of God for all believers to be healed and live a long life, to be delivered, to enjoy prosperity. And prosperity, like Pastor Dave said today, is not being a millionaire. Prosperity and riches in God's eyes is having a full supply for where you are, having abundance. You know, some of the people that have been to some of these third world, third world countries of me understand that. Prosperity is some of those places that sure be nice to have clean drinking water. 
Amen. Sure be nice to have electricity in all the places. Uh, to have a mosquito net. That's prosperity. Some of those places not having a big car in central air. And so prosperity in God's eyes is wherever you're planted at. God wants you to have more than enough to be able to share with other people, to be able to help other people. Amen? But that takes a revelation from God, from the Word of God to be able to see that. It takes the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to see. You know, I, I just I just say this. I learned this so many years ago now. It's just easy me to say. I, I, I don't live off of borrowing. I live off of giving. And right now, I'm talking to people in this room. I have no idea what that means. And it's not something, it's not something, uh, a negative statement. The thing is, right now, you're ignorant to the Word of God about what God has for you. And ignorant is not a cuss word. It means you don't know. I'm ignorant about a lot of things. Uh, I think about the AC thing, Joe. We were ignorant about how that thing worked, weren't we? Through some research, a lot of work, and I'm still a lot ignorant but I know more than I did now about this certain type of central air. Didn't mean, didn't mean I was some kind of an idiot. Just mean I've never studied those things. And people don't study the Bible, they're ignorant. They don't know it's God's will for them to be financially blessed. They don't know it's God's will for them to stick out like a healed thumb. Well, I thought you'd stick out like a sore thumb. Well, that's what you say before you're saved. When you get born again, you're healed. And so... God wants you to stick out like a healed thumb in this dark society and people look at you like they do at Urban when you walk in Walmart. See the glow on that lady there? They see the light on her. They deal with she sells houses. They want to see that on you when you walk in. And when they see how you live and what you've got, I'm not talking about natural things, but they see how God's providing for you, that opens their hearts to receive what you have to say to them about Jesus. And that's what we're talking about, that we as Christians... We as Christians are to see more and more light from the Word of God on a regular basis. We're to have more light come into our hearts, help us see. So he says right here, at that, at that time, and this describes how I was, describes how you was, it describes on how most of the people in your realm of humans are today, they, they're without hope, without God in the world. Did you notice this morning, with all those different visitors we had here, when I said, I've got your answer, just one word, Jesus. And no matter how much Bible you know, if you don't get around to the Jesus part of it, you're not going to help them much. Jesus has the answers, but the first thing you've got to do is be able to tell them, Jesus is the answer to your loved one's addiction. Jesus is the answer to your, to your loved one's healing. Jesus is the answer to restoring that marriage. Jesus is the answer for getting that better job. And I look at all the business owners sitting out there. Jesus is the answer for your customer base to grow. It's Jesus. And that's that's the light that we see after born again. Now look at the next verse. Look at verse 13. It says, but now, that's who we were without God, no hope in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, we who sometimes were far off, are made nigh, made near by the blood of Christ. And so this describes us today. And too many times, though, when a person gets saved, they get excited and want to share the love of Jesus with everyone. But because of their ignorance of the Bible, they do more damage than good and run people away from Jesus. 
Amen. Have you ever known people like that? I know that I've, I've been places before. I, I, I always, but I, but I got to do a lot more move around. Than I do now I'm kind of in the church and stuff like that. But when I was a Christian truck driver, and when I got to go a lot of places, I always called it my case. And we still do. You know, there'll be somebody that God sends into your life for a season. And all of a sudden, everywhere you go, you're running into this person. And then finally, you catch on and think, wow, maybe God wants me to do something to help them. And so I always call that, I'm on a case right now. And so when you're on that case and you're starting to make progress, and I think about Frank, a guy named Frank Bard. He's been in heaven now for about, probably about 42 years. I'll tell you about him in just a second. He just came to me. When you're on a case, you hate it. When somebody that has a lot of zeal comes in, that blows them away. When you're making progress, you know, you're getting close with them, and then all of a sudden some religious nut comes along that loves Jesus, but they're totally ignorant about the ways of Jesus. One time I had a case. There was a guy that this, this was a long case. God went through a lot to get me and him set up. Anyway, he was a World War II vet. Long story short, God gave me a dream. I don't live by dreams. He gave me a dream. In this dream, I saw a newspaper headline said, said World War II vet, Frank Bard, uh, got cancer. Well, within about a week, the lady told me, you know, Frank's got cancer. I thought, wow. And so he got cancer. Things were bad. Uh, they had him in the, in the hospital in Indianapolis. And a friend and I, uh, I wasn't married then, a friend of mine and I, we'd go there every week. We'd minister to Frank, talk to Frank, and was making really good progress. He'd been there for a while because really serious stuff. And then all of a sudden we could tell, Frank's not listening to us now. And he starts telling us about this, quote, minister from a church that came to talk to him, was talking to him. And we could tell the good things about healing, about Jesus the healer we talked to him about. we just tell the spirit, a wall went up and the door was closed. Do something that happened. Well, then we went in there one day, and there's this guy, probably about 50-something years old, I'd say, in there, a religious minister. And we're in there, and we just knew that, man, we're not welcome here. And he was my case. And so as we talked to Frank and doing everything we can just to keep the love of Jesus going, the Spirit of God moving, all of a sudden, this guy starts telling Frank, how God gave him cancer to teach him. And then this guy kicks his shoe off. And half his foot's cut off. And he said, I was a slow learner, so God cut my foot off with a power mower, a lawnmower. Cut grass and cut half his foot off. He said, God did that to teach me. Well, needless to say, within a month or two, Frank was dead. Because somebody had a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, came in and tried to say something besides what the Bible says. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will teach you. The Bible says God will give you pastors that will teach you with knowledge and understanding. The Bible says there's Bible teachers that will teach you the Word of God so you won't be deceived. Lots and lots of the Bible nowhere says God will kill somebody you love. And I'll throw one out there. The Bible nowhere says if God needs flowers in his garden, he's going to kill somebody you love so you have more flowers in heaven. That does more damage than anything I know to make people get hurt. God knows the difference between flowers and people. Nowhere do you plant people to get flowers. 
You don't do it on earth, you don't do it in heaven. See, I've just given you examples of people have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. We have got to learn the Bible to help people. And so he says right here that we once lost a vowed hope in the world, and so now in Christ we're dear to him by the blood of Jesus. And we've got to learn. And so I learned a long time ago when I was a baby pastor, heard another pastor make this statement, deceived people never know they are. Think about that. People that are in deception, because they're buried in deception, you cannot argue with them to get them to change. You can't do it. I know that I I, I heard a, I heard a minister of great respect years ago talk about somebody from another denomination wanted to have a conversation with him about Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. Wanted to show him from his Bible why speaking in tongues was wrong, and so he wouldn't meet with him. He's, I talked about the guy, the guy that one of, one of my leaders years ago. He said he just told the guy, he said, "Hey, you think you're right, and I know I am. So what have we got to talk about? If somebody's in self-deception about tithing, you're not going to be able to convince them about tithing by arguing with them. If they're in deception about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, you can't argue with them and get them to change. That changes nobody." That's why we're going to talk tonight about how to pray for people that are deceived. That has always stuck with me, that statement. You might want to write that down. It might save you some heartache in trying to change somebody. Deceived people never know they are. Think about Paul. Paul was deceived. Thought he was doing something for God, arresting Christians, killing Christians. Nobody could change Paul's thinking. He knew he was on a mission for God. And you know there's religions today that they can kill another people from different different religions is going to get them favor with God. You can't change them. When they're convinced they're doing right in the eyes of God, no amount of talking, arguing, threatening, bullying is going to change people. Amen. Only one thing can change people. It's the Holy Spirit. And we got to be able to know how to pray in life the Word of God for the Holy Spirit to move. And so it takes the Holy Spirit to change people from the inside out to change people from the inside out. And so I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 1. Just back over about a page. And I, pray, I prayed these, I, I call it the Ephesians prayers. There's lots of prayers in the epistles. But I prayed these prayers, I guess the last almost 44 years, thousands of times for myself, other people, church members, ministers, because you've got to tap into the realm of the Spirit where the Holy Spirit moves and where He does things to change people's lives. How many know that the Father and Jesus are in heaven and when Jesus went up, He said, if I go, He said, this is the book of John, says it's going to be advantageous for you because when I go, I'm sending the Holy Spirit down and Jesus, think about this, Jesus on the earth had one physical body. He could be one place at one time. If you, wanted, if you wanted to come in contact with Jesus, you had to get to where Jesus was that day. Well, through the Holy Spirit, the Bible calls us the body of Christ. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is everywhere in a lot of people everywhere now. So when we talk to the Father in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to wherever it is you're praying for, the other side of the world, the Holy same Holy Spirit you've got is working over there to help those people. And if somebody lives in your own house and that close to you and you're not seeing eyeball to eyeball, 
that you need to know how to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus because the Holy Spirit can work with that one in the same room with you. But if you want to browbeat them and try to argue them and change them, if they think they're right, but you know you're right, then talk is not going to change anything. But when you're praying, now listen to this, when you're praying according to the Spirit-inspired Word of God, you're talking His language. That's called faith. When you're praying in faith from the Word of God, then you know you're in contact with heaven. And there's so many verses that we can tell you about when you're praying the Word of God, you're praying the will of God. And when you're praying the will of God, God's on the scene. And then when God begins to change people, I cannot tell you how many times in my lifetime as a Christian, I've seen all of a sudden a person totally change what they believe because prayer changed their heart. And then all of a sudden, what they debated, I, this happened so many times in my life, I have to always learn to keep a straight face. Somebody that debated me, happened many times, wanted to argue about the Bible, all of a sudden one day, pastor, pastor, do you see this? And I think, man, I've been teaching that to you for 15 years. <laughs> well, you know what happened? The light of the glorious gospel come into their heart. And all of a sudden, what they've been arguing about, they forgot they were arguing about it. All of a sudden, they see it. And like they, saw they act like they saw something brand new that they're the first ones ever saw it. And I think, man, I've taught so many series on that in this church. And we used to have tapes. You bought the tapes. You used to have CDs. You bought the CDs. You bought all the books at the bookstore on it. But you've been blinded. Now, all of a sudden, you see it. Glory to God. The Word works. Amen. It opens eyes. And so what I want to make sure you get is when we get to look at this, you are not going to change somebody by debating the Bible with them. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what, I don't mind having discussions with people about the Bible if it's not a debate. We discuss, we sit and discuss things and look at things like that. And if we're not arguing, if we're just going back and forth and looking at the Bible, what do you think this means? Well, you look at it, you show them other scriptures, go with it. And when you're walking in the truth of the Word of God, then the Holy Spirit could move. But when you got debate, dissension, strife going, James 3.16 says where there's envy and strife, there's confusion at every evil work. And so what I'm going to show you from the Bible is, to me, the only real Bible way to get the process started is somebody changing from the inside out. Because if you're just talking to their head, you might, you might as well go beat your head on the wall. But when the Holy Spirit talks to their heart and their heart gets softened, then you can talk to their heart. Jesus talks to their heart. And then real change comes. Why is that? Because Satan is a god of this world and we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And so you cannot defeat Satan by arguments. But Satan is no match for the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the living word of God. Ephesians chapter 1, and this whole prayer is good. I'm just going to focus on a couple things here because I want you to see this. It says, Paul said, and he's talking, he's, he's, this is a letter to the church at Ephesus, I cease not to give thanks for you. Now look at this, making mention of you in my prayers. Give me thanks for you. Ephesians 1, verse 16. And so, when I begin to pray, 
I always stick with Bible guidelines. He talks over and over and over through the whole Bible about thanks and thanks and thanks. And so you're having problems with somebody, you want change to take place, the first thing you got to do is say, Father, I want to thank you for Dave McNeil. Lord, I want to thank you. Dave McNeil is a part of my life, part of my spiritual family. And Lord, I want to pray for Dave right now. And so Dave and I are good friends, good church member, good brother. We're just a great relationship. But if it's somebody that's been giving you trouble, it's the same thing. Father, I want to thank you for so-and-so. I want to thank you that they've crossed my path. I want to thank you, Jesus, that you know that I know how to pray according to the Word of God. As I want to thank you for them. I want to make mention and put their name in there, whatever their name is. I want, I want to thank you, and I want, to, I want to pray for Jose. I want to pray for John. Lord, I, 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 want, to, I, want, to, I want to pray for Alexis. Whoever it is you're praying for says, make mention of them in my prayers. But first of all, you always got to be a thankful Christian. That opens the door into heaven. Amen. It says, making mention of them in my prayer. Now, look at this. Now, I want you to see some things right here. This is why I consider this to be the primary way to pray for Christians and for yourself. And for yourself. I pray this for myself, these prayers all the time because I'm still growing. What do you mean you're still growing? I'm not dead yet. I'm planning on living a long time. As long as I'm living, I don't want to get stagnant. I want to grow. I want to know Jesus better. I want to know more how to be a better Christian, how to be a better pastor, how to be a better teacher, how to be a better friend, how to be a better neighbor, how to be a better grandpa. I want to grow. And the more Christ-like I become, the better I'll be at helping people. And so he says, listen, this is the prayer. The God, now you see the notice, the difference here between 2 Corinthians 4, the capital G. See the capital G? We're not talking about the God of this world. We're talking about the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. This is the God we're talking about, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. Now, here's the prayer, that he may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Do you see the first part of that word revelation, reveal? Revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of Everybody told me about my heart, cultivate my heart so my eyes would see. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. See the light in the middle of enlightened, the light. The light comes in. See that? The light. The eyes are being enlightened so you will know what's the hope of his calling, etc., etc. But I want to look at some of these words here. You're praying for fellow Christians to be filled with his wisdom, his knowledge. Let me give you a simple, simple, simple Bible definition of wisdom. The wisdom of God is the plan of God. If you get wisdom in any area, then you're getting the plan. Amen. You know, I, I just I can't think about you business owners like that. If you need to know what to do for your business, would you pray these prayers for the wisdom and understanding from God? You're saying, Lord, what is your wisdom for my business? You're saying, what's your plan? Amen. You know, many plans are the man's of a mind. We're in the mind of a man, but it's the Lord's purpose for him that will stand. Amen. Amen. It's the Lord's purpose that will stand. And so anyway, we're talking here about Christians, though, 
about your Christian life to grow up and quit doing things your way but thinking they're God's way. Because when you're stuck in a rut for years and years and years, a lot of Christians are, and they think, man, what I'm doing is right. Well, I don't think it's too right when you're a prune face, you have no joy, you're tripping over your own lip all the time, you're so depressed. Amen. I've known Christians like that. I've known Christians that before before I was a Christian, wasn't even thinking about God. I think of a couple of times people wanted to witness to me and you need to come to our church. You're a sinner. You need our church. And I wasn't even, I, I didn't pray, wasn't even a Christian on this side. Just think this. Here's what I would think. If you've got a church full of people like you, which way can I run to make sure I don't get close to your church? At least I'd go over to the Sunshine Inn, drink a few beers, and be happy for a couple hours. <laughs> Why would I come to your church and be depressed for a lifetime like you? Amen. So that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Christians that have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And so we're praying for Christians here that the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation revelation in the knowledge of him. I want to tell you something, and this is something that uh, may be new to you or maybe something that you know a little bit about, but there's two kinds of knowledge in this world, two kinds of knowledge. There's natural human knowledge that we pick up by our senses, what we see, what we hear, etc., etc., and get learned schools. And learn, learn, learn by going through life. There's natural knowledge, human knowledge, that everyone has, saved and unsaved. Everybody can acquire natural knowledge in different areas of life based upon what they learn by studying and experience. But then there's revelation knowledge. That's what he said, that uh, he'd fill the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge. Revelation knowledge. In the knowledge of what? Of him. Of him. Do you remember... Many years ago, the What Would Jesus movement started. The WW, uh, what was it? What Would Jesus Do? WWJD, is that what it was? The bracelets. Everybody had those bracelets. What Would Jesus Do? Had T-shirts. Had a movie out. What Would Jesus Do? Well, if you want to know what Jesus would do, I can tell you exactly what Jesus would do. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Don't try to change something to what we do in modern times. Jesus was the ultimate example of the love of God. You know, in one of those devotions we've got, I think it was, we're teaching on the love of God, the devotion this month. I think it was a couple days ago, I pointed out in there that Jesus did not come to condemn the world, John three sixteen. He didn't come to condemn, he came to save. And then the woman, and this has always got me my whole Christian life, even as a young Christian, I, I was... I was opening up to see what was really going on. Said so they had these religious dudes, brought this woman caught in adultery, threw her down to Jesus so they could stone her to death. But it always, it always caught my attention. If she's caught in adultery, there must have been somebody else there. They can't catch you unless you got an accomplice. And so caught in adultery, and so probably, probably the one she's with may have been one of the priests that was a friend of those guys, a religious leader, because he wasn't there. Amen. Religion goes its way. 
Jesus goes one way. It's always the love life. And so after everything was all said and done, he said, woman, where's your accusers? She said, Lord, there are none. They all left. He said, I'm not going to condemn you either. But, he said, but, stop that. Go and sin no more. And so what would Jesus do? Jesus doesn't condemn you to hell. Jesus shows you the way out of hell. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And so anyway, uh, it says the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So revelation knowledge is where the Holy Spirit opens your spiritual eyes. You notice that next verse there, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Revelation in the knowledge of him, it says, will open your spiritual eyes. Can you see that? Can you see that? Revelation in the knowledge of Jesus, which only comes through the Bible, sitting in an anointed service like this, and listening to people that are teaching the Bible with no hidden agenda, not trying to manipulate you, not trying to change you to be what they want you to be, but showing you how to know Jesus and the Holy Spirit yourself so the Word of God can come off the pages and get into your heart. And so the revelation knowledge is when the Holy Spirit opens your spiritual eyes to the written Word that you may have heard for years, then all of a sudden it jumps off the pages of your Bible and becomes real or revealed to your spirit. And so have you ever heard the expression, they finally saw the light? Anybody ever heard that? Wow, I saw the light. Well, that's because when Satan has you blinded or a person blinded and this spiritual truth becomes real to you, then your eyes were enlightened, enlightened. The light of the word of God come in and then all of a sudden you saw what you're supposed to see, but it takes help from the Holy Spirit to see it. And so I just want to really challenge everyone here, everyone watching out there, if you're going through conflict and struggles with fellow believers right now, people in your own family, people you work with, quit trying to argue and convince them your way is the right way. Get on your knees, open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 1, and begin to pray that the Lord would open their spiritual eyes to see, not see things your ways, but to see what God has to say from the Bible. And all of a sudden, they will, they will see Wow, we're supposed to love one another. I'm not called to be the Savior of the world for all those people in my family and on my job. Jesus is the Savior. I'm called to be the lover. I'm called to love people, to point them to Jesus, and to be an example. And when you begin to live like that, you begin to pray like that, you watch what begins to happen to people in your realm of influence. All of a sudden, they're going to start changing. Why? They're going to be like you. Once they were blinded, now they can see because the Holy Spirit opened their eyes. Amen? Well, that's how you pray to help fellow believers to grow up. <clears throat> Amen. We're going to grow up and Pastor Josh is going to go up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Did anybody get blessed out of that? I did. I did. I'll tell you what. I, I want to help people and I want people to pray for me. I want my eyes open more. I want to do more. I want to do better. I'm only 72 years old. I got a lot of years to go yet. There's a lot of things I want to do, and I know the only way I can do that is doing them God's way. 
And God's way is not necessarily what a lot of people think it ought to be. It's what he thinks it ought to be from the word of God, plus his personalized plan for my life. He's got a personal plan for your life. And so when you have that relationship with him, where you don't have to go to everybody else, ask what they think, but you go to him and say, Lord, I want to thank you for filling me with the spirit of wisdom, revelation, in the knowledge of you, in my life, on my job, for my family. You watch what happens. You and the Holy Spirit become buds. Things will change. Amen. Let's stand up. Hallelujah. Well, well, we'll worship, we'll worship the Lord while we're doing this, and whenever, whatever we, whatever we uh, preach like this, I always like to give people a chance for prayer if they want it. You come up for prayer for anything you want, but because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, what did I just preach on? I preached on God opening your eyes. What happened to me when that lady preacher laid hands on me? My eyes got opened, and so if anybody here. If anybody here wants me to lay hands on you for God to do something in you to help you see what he wants you to see, et cetera, et cetera, anything else you want to come on up here, I'll be glad to lay hands on you. And the Mrs. Pastor's up here. We're anointed. We got the Spirit of God in us. You do too. But we're up here as ministers of God on assignment. And so we preach these things. And I'm not saying you're going to have a vision. You may or may not. I'm not saying you're going to have a dream. You may or may not. But I'm saying this, that the Holy Spirit will begin to move in you today in a new way. And you'll begin to see things and know things that you need to see and know so you can follow the plan of God. Amen? So anyway, we're going to worship him. Come up if you want some.
Hallelujah. You know, I'm just thinking about some of the sports nuts I've seen in my lifetime. I'm not big into sports. I like baseball. That's about it. But I've been to those games. Man, those, those goofballs paint up in all kinds of paint and stuff. They dye their hair. They paint their bodies. They carry weird signs and do all kinds of stuff. You know what I call that? They got zeal. You notice that Paul didn't say zeal's wrong. He said, you got a zeal for God. He didn't say get rid of it. You need to keep your zeal, but just use it the right direction. So let's just act like we're at least as spiritual in our way as those ball game people are in their way. Can we have some zeal? Hallelujah, Jesus. Woo, woo. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. Let's, let's just start notifying our faces that we're not lemon suckers but that we're zealous Christians. We got a zeal for God, but we know how to use it the right way. Let's start being excited. 
Let's start being excited. Jesus kept me alive. He healed me of cancer. He healed me of a heart attack. He healed me of a stroke. He raised me from the dead when I got killed when I was 16 years old in a drunken accident and I was the drunk. Jesus did that for me. I'm a little bit excited about that. Amen. 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 Has he ever done anything for you? Amen. Well, start getting excited and then maybe somebody will ask you, why are you so excited all the time? And then you can tell them, Jesus raised me up. Jesus blessed my life. Satan tried to destroy it, but Jesus wouldn't let him. And so here I am. So I'm going to be excited. I am never going to say, you need to go to my church. You need to go to my church. I think, okay, jerk, where's your church at? That way, I'm out of here. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Oh, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm so grateful for this church. Lord, I know this is just one church of all the multitudes of churches you've got around the world. Little churches, big churches. The Lord, the common denominator is you are the son of God. You're the son of our father, the, the father of heaven and earth. You're our Lord. You're our Savior. You're our all in all. We've got something in common. And, Lord, we've all got your great commission to love people, to influence people, to be a godly role model for people. And I pray tonight for the ones watching, for the ones here, that you fill them with a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Their eyes would be open to see and know who they are in you, who you are in them, the love they've got, the authority they've got, and the responsibility they've got to live for you and influence the world. Thank you in the name of Jesus that this church is going to do all you've called us to do to influence our region. And then when we're done, we'll either fly up there one at a time through death or we'll go together in rapture. It doesn't make any difference, Lord. We're going to finish what you gave us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Barstow Faith Confession and let me give you a clue. If you're making this faith confession, don't ever curse Bar Barstow again. We are not the meth capital. We're not the home for the gangs. We're not Povertyville. I got stuck here because my car broke down. And as soon as I get everybody to get out of this blankety blank place, I believe in nope. I'm planted here. I was sent here. I'm the center of God's perfect will. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. And so I'm going to speak this confession. But I'm also, during the whole week long, I'm going to live by this confession and believe that this is what Barstow is. Amen. Let's go. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen.